Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name is Chris, and I am a recovering control freak, okay? Uh, and I have a feeling by looking at this group, I am not alone. And for those of you on the stream, I bet some of you struggle with control as well. So, with everyone participating, I'd like you to answer this question. How many of you have at least one area of your life that you love to control? Just raise your hand. One area of your life that you love to control. Okay. Uh, I think that was pretty much everybody. And if you had a tendency to want to raise the hand of the person beside you, you need to take really good notes. Because uh, the truth is, is that your family thinks you're nuts and you're driving them crazy, okay? So they want you to get better. And so today, what we're going to talk about is how we can recover from being control freaks. Because the truth is, this is something that is an issue for all of us and for each one of you it can be something that you can find recovery in. I mean, your family might want to kill you, but Jesus wants to set you free today, okay? So, hallelujah, let's jump in and get started. You see, the truth is, every single one of us battle with wanting to be in control. For some of you, it may be in the workplace. Have you ever heard these words before? Well, you're not doing it the right way. I'll just do it myself. If you can't do it within the time that I want you to do it, I'll do it myself. Maybe you're that person or maybe you work with somebody who's like that. Maybe it's at home. You're a control freak. Everything has to be just right. Everything has to be put in its place. And if it's not, you lose it. It has to be done your way. My wife Jennifer and I, when we first uh, got married, uh, you don't really know a person when you're dating and engaged. You know them when you get married. <laughs> and uh, what I learned very quickly is that she's a psycho. Um, <laughs> what I learned is that when it comes to folding towels, uh, she looked at it very differently than I did. She... <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. She wanted to take the towels and fold them in thirds. It all had to be done in a third and there could be no seams on the outside and it had to look perfectly because she's a psycho. And then it got worse than that when it came to putting uh, clothes in our closets. All of a sudden, Jen said, well, it has to go from your darkest clothes to your lightest clothes. And she would actually put the hangers up. And then she started doing that to my closet as well. It's like, you're a psycho. Now, uh, for me, my household responsibilities were vacuuming. Now, I vacuumed to where it had to be certain lines. Like, the lines had to be just right. And if they weren't, you know, I got very upset. But I'm not a psycho. It's just, I like linear thinking, you know. Or, how about with mowing? Uh, Jennifer could never mow right because she couldn't understand. The first time you mow, you mow vertically. The next time you mow horizontally. Then you mow diagonally. Uh, to me, that wasn't an issue of psycho. That was just, again, linear thinking. 
But we all have things, don't we, that we just want to control. We want it to be there. So, towel folding and closet coordination, psycho, vacuuming, and mowing with particular lines, you would say, not psycho. Now, I'd like to tell you that my controlling nature has gotten much better since those days of vacuuming and mowing, but the reality is it's just bled into other areas as well. For example, I've been known to do this more than once. When I'm driving, and I think the person who is actually driving the car is a bad driver, I just put my hand over and I grab the wheel. Now, is that a control freak? Yes! Like two times that I know of that Jen's been driving, and I've taken the wheel because I just didn't think she was doing it quite as well as I could. Or when it comes to the remote control. There are only certain people that can control the remote control. And I'm one of those. I'm just gifted with it. I don't know why. But the issue with the remote control is not just knowing what's on the TV right now, but knowing what you're not watching so that when commercial comes, you can change it as quickly as possible. Again, what am I? I'm a control freak. Now... Maybe some of you have some quirky things like that that you do as well that the family makes fun of you and laughs at that you try to control. Or maybe it's a little bit more serious. For example, maybe some of you try to control your kids. You want them to behave just right. You want them to do just right. And you tell them, if you don't do that, you'll be grounded till you're 30, right? Maybe for some of you, it's your spouse, If they don't do just this for you, then I'm going to withdraw something from you. And all of a sudden, there's this threat that happens. Well, no matter who you are, we all like to control. In fact, this is the sign I'm going to use for control for the rest of the teaching. Because what we're talking about is choosing surrender, which is this sign, rather than control. Choosing surrender over control. And it's one thing to be uh, controlling some quirky stuff in your life that doesn't really matter and people laugh at and they just move on. But there are some things that we have a tendency to control that can create some big spiritual problems. You see, when I come across like this that I'm going to control this circumstance... Or I'm going to control this person because I know what is best. It leads us to a dangerous area. And you would never say this, but this is what it leads to. It leads to you saying, well, I want to be like God. I want to be like God. I'm going to try to control like God. This morning, I want to give you an example of a couple in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible... In the book of Genesis, the very first book, of two people who tried to control a situation and it worked out very, very badly. It's a story of Abram and Sarai, whose names later became Abraham and Sarah. And if there is any couple in the Bible who battled with control issues, it was Abram and Sarai. Maybe the biggest example of this is that they went through their life and they were childless. And more than anything else, though, they wanted a child. Now, 
God had promised Abram this amazing promise. He told them this at the very beginning. He said, you're going to be a father of many nations. And when Abram heard that, when he heard that, he was like, man, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be awesome. And he tells Sarah, and they're like, we're going to have all kinds of children. We're going to be parents of nations. And then if you remember the story, what happened? Nothing. Nada. Zilch. They didn't have any children at all. And days led to weeks and weeks led to months and months led to years and years led to decades. And eventually they're in their 90s and they still have no children. And this couple told God, you told us, you promised that we would have children, but we have none at all. And again, this goes on and on until finally Sarai says, that's it. I can't handle this anymore. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. When God's timing isn't your timing, sometimes what we have a tendency to do is to take control into our own hands. And this is what Sarai did. She went ahead and she took control. And she tried to bring about the desired outcome that she wanted in her own life. And this is a perfect example, what you're going to see, of control gone bad. Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1, says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Everybody say Hagar. Hagar. Okay, that's the slave girl. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Now, what's going on here? Sarai is trying to control the situation. She said, perhaps because God's not doing this for me, perhaps I can have a family through her, the scripture says. And Sarai basically is saying, God's not doing what he said he's going to do, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Have you ever done that before? God's not working in your timetable. He's not doing what you ask him to do. And so you say, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. You tried to take control of the situation. So Abram, the scripture says, agreed to Sarai, agreed to what Sarai said. After Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And what did Hagar, or what did Abram do? This is what it says. He slept with Hagar... And she conceived. God said, I'm going to give you a promise. This is the promise. But all of a sudden, it's not in the timing that Sarai wants. And she says, it's not in the timing of Abram either. And so I take matters into my own hands. And they took control and their control folks went bad. In fact, their decision was so bad. Think about this. They made a decision to control that was so bad Even though God had promised them something else, it impacted people's lives for centuries. Think about that. They controlled something so badly that it actually impacted lives for history. You see, this is what happened. 
Hagar had a son by the name of Ishmael. And then later on, God kept his promise, and Sarah had a child by the name of Isaac. Now, it's very interesting what happens to the lineage of these two people, Ishmael and Isaac, because of a control situation. Ishmael, actually, his lineage goes down until they get to a person by the name of Muhammad. And Muhammad actually becomes the prophet of the Muslim uh, religion. Also, from that stream comes Palestinians. Now, on the other side, what we find is Isaac. And out of Isaac comes the Jewish nation. And then also what comes out is Christians themselves. And what do we know centuries later, because of this bad situation where control went bad, we still have Palestinians fighting Jewish people, and we have Christians fighting Muslims. Why? Because control went bad. Control folks sometimes can impact people's lives for centuries upon centuries. Now the truth is, most of you will never be tempted the way that Abram and Sarai were, and given the options that they were. But make no mistake about it, all of you are going to be tempted to try to take control of something that doesn't go your way. Have you ever noticed that? When things are going your way, you're just like, ah, no problem. But when things start not going your way, that's when you desire to control. You might be single. And you're trying to go into the dating world. And you find this guy, and this guy is awesome. But he doesn't believe in Jesus. He's not a Christian whatsoever, and he doesn't even have any desire to become a Christian. And you think to yourself, but he just is so cute. He just has such a nice smile. Where were some of your heads, you know? It's church people. And this is what people will often say. They'll say, well, I know what he's not, what I want now, but I can, what's the next word? Change him. I can change him. Maybe it's your finances. You're struggling with your finances, and you know you are to put God first in your finances, but you just kind of don't do that. You, you know you should. You know that the tithe or giving 10% is what God asks us to do, or at least work towards that. Start with 3% and then move yourself up, but you just don't kind of do that. And you say to yourself, nope, I'm going to control my money because it's my money. And the truth is, doing money your way just hasn't been working. You've been struggling year after year after year, debt after debt after debt, And it's not working. Maybe for others of you, it's with your kids. You are a helicopter parent. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, you got to get an A on that science project. You're not doing it right. I'll take it for you. I'll do it. Oh, someone's making fun of you at school. Well, tell me their name. 
I'm going to go talk to their mama. And don't you worry about it, honey. I will take care of this. But we don't have any helicopter parents here, do we? None of you are ever overprotective of your kids, are you? No, I just like to control them. So, I want to ask you to take a moment and to answer this question for yourself. What are you trying to control? What is it that you're trying to control? And just name what you're trying to control. Is it a person? Is it a circumstance? Is it a situation? I mean, what is it? So, you have your program. There's a place for you to actually write down what is it you're trying to control. If you have your phone, you can pull that out. It's right on the outline. What is it that you're trying to control? For those of you on the stream, you can go ahead and join us. What is it you're trying to control? Like you should be doing this right now. You're not. Would somebody just fake it? Just like put your finger and like, yeah, exactly. See, then it makes me feel better. Like, yeah, but, but I hope you'll do this. Because we need to ask ourselves, is this something that is really mine to control or is this something that I need to surrender to God? Something I should trust God with to give it to him. So for the rest of our time, I simply want to give you three questions to help you kind of answer this. When is the right time for you to choose surrender over control? Three questions to help you to know when is the right time to choose surrender over control. So here's the first question that you need to ask yourself. Is it worth my concern? Is it really worth my concern? When I'm trying to choose surrender over control, I need to ask myself, is it worth my concern? Concern. Let me give you an example, uh, leadership-wise. The example is uh, me personally. When we first started the JAR, um, I wanted to control everything for the first seven years. In fact, if staff did something or volunteers did something that I did not like, we would actually go ahead and we would change it immediately. And I wanted my hands in everything. I wanted to know exactly what was going on. And I tried to control the situation. And then after seven years of this, you can imagine some of my best friends who helped start the church, they were done with me and they went ahead and they left the church. And it was one of the most painful times, the most painful time that I've had even much more than COVID when they left. And these were some of the horrible thoughts, though, that I had in my mind during this time. They just couldn't handle it. I mean, they just didn't see the vision. They just can't take the church to the next level. They were good in in homes, but they can't really take it to the next place. And over time, what happened was, is that God disciplined me in such a great way where he said, Chris, the issue wasn't them. The issue was you. You're a control freak. You're trying to control everything. And my need to control things was affecting the church. And I realized that God told me that unless you stop doing this with every ministry area, we would never grow. Well, since that time, uh, I've worked really, really hard at being able to know 
how to choose surrender over control. There are still times in which I see something that I'm like, oh, I would change that. But I've had to learn to be really wise, to know how to step back and to be tolerant. And if for some reason staff or volunteers are doing something different than the way that I would do it, guess what? It's okay. It's okay. And I try to choose my battles carefully. Now, are there some times that I have to step into something? Absolutely. But I'm really looking at that image of, is this something that is my concern or not? I picked up a great leadership quote for those of you who manage anybody, if you work in business or you manage anyone. It's from Craig Rochelle, and he says this, uh, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You finally have to choose that what my role is going to be is one in which I'm willing to empower people and to let them do something. And if it doesn't go the way that I want, that I'm asking the question, is it worth my concern? This happens in relationships all the time. For example, should the toilet paper be over or under the roll? See, look, you control freaks, right? And that's it. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I've actually had people that I personally counseled in marriage where that was one of the biggest heated things they've had. And they were like, ah, they're like, over. And I'm sitting there thinking, seriously, is it really worth the concern? I mean, five years from now, is it really going to matter? Here's a personal example in my own life. Um, when you uh, walk from our garage into the house, there's a door. And when you walk through the door, uh, to the right of it are these bins. We have these brown bins. And Jen bought these bins so that the kids could actually put their shoes in the bins. And uh, I was walking through this area the other week, and this is what it looked like. All of the shoes were on the floor. And that happens like this all the time. And there have been times that I've tripped over these shoes and I get so mad. I'm like, why did we even buy the bins? Because I don't even use them. And I get so angry and I get frustrated. And then a couple of weeks ago when I was putting this whole teaching together, I had this prompting from God that in just a few years, my girls will be out of the house. And when I come home on those days, and I walk through that door, what do you think I'm going to be missing? Shoes. I'm going to be missing that. And isn't it interesting? The thing that drives me crazy is the thing that one day I'm actually going to miss. Is it worth my concern? Some of you are dealing with some things that you're controlling right now, and you need to ask the question, is it really worth my concern? Is it worth me getting upset about? Ask yourself, because some of you are driving wedges in the relationships around you between people, and you're hurting them, and you need to ask the question, is it worth my concern? 
Here's the second question to ask yourself if you're trying to understand to choose surrender over control, and it's this, is it mine to control? Is this something that is mine to control? Well, quite honestly, sometimes the answer is yes. How many of you know that God will not do everything for you? Okay, you should raise your hand on this one, okay? Because he won't. He wants you to do some things for yourselves. I mean, there is a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. A big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. You don't relinquish responsibility. For example, if you're messed up financially, you don't just sit on the couch and go, Oh, Lord, please help me financially. You know what God's going to say? No. He's going to say, Get your butt off, off the couch. I gave you two hands and go to work. And here's a novel idea. If you're in debt, spend less than you make. I'm going to spend less than what I actually... Whoa! Spend less than you make. If you're in a marriage and the marriage is kind of rocky, you know what the first thing you should do? Not looking at the other person, you say, let me look at my heart. Is there anything I can adjust in my heart? Is there anything that I can do? You examine yourself. Maybe what you would suggest is, hey, I need to make some changes, but hey, maybe we should join a small group. Or maybe we should get some marital counseling. If your child is making a really bad decision, what could you do? You could say, well, they're making these bad decisions. I'm going to spend some more time. I'm going to invest. I'm going to build a bridge. I'm going to work in their life. What can you do in this situation? If you're a single guy and you want to get married, what could you do? First of all, you could stop playing Call of Duty till 2 a.m. every night. Like if you want to get married, just push the remote control away. Call of Duty, no. You get out of your mom's basement. You actually go get a job. You take a shower. You put some deodorant on. Women are attracted to that, folks. They really are. So ask yourself, is it mind control? Is it for mind to control? If it is, then do something about it. If it's not, then you ask yourself this third question. Is it for God alone? Is this something for God alone? Is this something I'm trying to control, but actually I need to surrender it to God? Not control it myself, but I'm going to surrender it to God. Paul, the guy who wrote over close to half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest followers, gave us some powerful words in Philippians chapter 4. He says this, Do not be anxious about, what's the next word? What is it? Anything. Now, if there's anyone that should have been anxious about something, it should have been Paul. Because he had been beaten, he had been stripped, he had been left for dead. When he's writing these words, he's actually in prison, and he is... Uh, tied to another prison guard. And yet Paul says, do not be anxious about what? Anything. By the way, 
How many of you have been anxious about anything this week? Okay, I'm raising my hand because I have been. Okay, yeah. Again, he says, do not be anxious about anything. But what's the next word? But what? In every, but in every situation, no matter what you're going through, no matter what happened, you can't change it. You can't change it. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, what do you do? You present, you surrender your request to God. Folks, don't ever insult God by saying, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. I mean, you know, we've done everything we can. I guess we'll just turn to prayer. I mean, I just can't imagine that God sits up in heaven and he looks down. And when you actually come to him in prayer, he's like, whew, you must be really screwed now. I mean, if this is it, I mean, if I'm the last one you got to turn to, then I mean, it's just bad news for you. I mean, I doubt if anything's going to happen. No, 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 no. Don't let prayer be the last result. Let it be the first line of offense. To say, you know what? We can pray about this. Whatever it is, we can pray about this. We can surrender it up to God and we can say, we can pray. We have full access to the God who has created everything. He says that you are able to be strengthened when you come to me. He is able to do all things. He is able to do the impossible. What can you do? You can pray. It should be the first line of offense. And do you know why we can go to him with thanksgiving? Why we can always be thankful no matter what? Because he cares about you, and he cares about you, and he cares about you, and he cares about everybody in the balcony, and he cares about everybody who's on the stream, and he loves you, and he's for you, and he longs to hear your prayers anytime you share them. And then guess what happens When we go to God with that kind of heart, verse 7 says this. The, what's the next word? What is it? The peace. The peace of God. The supernatural peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When there's something that you can't control, what do you do? We say, God, this one is actually yours. I present this to you. And what what does God do? God says, if you'll do that, I'll give you a supernatural peace that goes beyond your ability to actually understand. So there are some things in your life, when you look at them, you have to ask, is this one right here, is it for God Alone. Maybe you're married and your spouse is making some really bad decisions. And you think to yourself, well, I can change them. No, you can't. If you could have changed them, you would have already done that. You can't change them. You can't change them at all. Now, this is what you can do. You can get on their case so much that You make them crazy, that you drive them away, that you actually make them miserable, but you can't change them. 
Let me ask you this. Can God change them? What? Yeah. Like, absolutely he can. God can change them for sure. My spouse, though, is God's alone. I'm giving my spouse to him. I trust you, God, with this. Can you physically heal yourself or someone else? No. Let's say, for example, you have a loved one that has cancer. Can you just go, poof, and the cancer's gone? No. Now, you can take chemo, you can take radiation, you can go to good doctors, but can you heal them? No. Now, let me ask you this. Can God heal them? Yeah. Absolutely he can. Every time. Now, this one's hard for some of you. Can you control your kid's future? Some of you are like, yeah, I can. (laughs) No, you can't. You can't. You can threaten them. You can drive a wedge between you and them. You can create a wall of no trust. But can God help your kids? Yeah. He can actively be involved in the future, leading them in the right way, giving them wise thinking. What can you do? You invest in your children and then ultimately you say, God, I trust my children with you. I know you love them more than I can. Folks, I don't know what it is that you're trying to control in your life right now. But I wonder what would happen if you chose surrender over control. If you chose surrender over control. And I wonder what would happen is that each time that you're tempted to control something, that you would simply ask these three questions. Is this worth my concern? And sometimes the truth is it's not. It's not worth your concern at all. And if it's not worth your concern, what do you do? You should let it go. It's not worth my concern. And then you ask a second question. Is it mine to control? Now, sometimes it is. It may be a situation you are responsible for it. You need to do something about it. But if you can't do something about it, if it is not yours to control, then thirdly, you ask the question, is it for God alone? Is this one for God alone that I lifted up to him? Because maybe the circumstance or the person or the situation that you're dealing with, God doesn't really even want you to control it. He simply wants you to know how to surrender it to Him and say, I trust you with this one. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, we ask right now that you would allow your Holy Spirit to come right now in a powerful way. If our minds have been a little distracted, that right now, through the power of your Spirit, God, 
you would come to us. God, we thank you so much for never giving up on us, even when we try to control things, rather than surrendering them to you. And right now, with every eye closed, no one looking around, just trying your best to be connected with God, I just want to ask you, is there someone or something that you're trying to control right now? Is there a situation? Is there a person? Is there something you're trying to control? And if your answer is yes, I want to challenge you to think about how could I give this to God? And today, if you're ready to say, you know what, there is something. I I didn't write it down earlier, but there's something now. Or you know there's something you're trying to control. If today you're ready to say, I want to choose surrender over control. Now I'm going to invite you to simply raise your hand. I just want to pray for you right now. Just raise your hand. No one's looking. Let me pray. God, I thank you for each hand that is raised. Help them to know that if what they're trying to control is something that they don't need to, I mean, if it's really something that five years from now is not going to matter whatsoever, God, would you give them the strength right now to just let it go? And God, if it's something that they can take care of, God, give them the wisdom to know how to do that. But if it's not, God, would you help them in this situation right now or with this person to know how to surrender it to them? That they would know, I know this right now, God, is not mine to control and that they give it to you because you are all powerful. You are all knowing. You can change. You can heal. You can do everything. So help us, God, to know how to choose surrender over control. I pray this in Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. Now, for some of you right now, the reality is, is that the thing that you've never surrendered before is your one and only life. You've just never said, God, I'm going to give my life to you. You've been trying to control your life, trying to do everything on your own. And in the midst of that, it just hasn't been working. Or maybe for some of you, you've drifted away from God. COVID came, the pandemic came, things happened, and you kind of drifted away, and you've been trying to control everything, and you finally realize, nope, nope, what I need to do is re-surrender my life to Christ. And so today, if you're ready to say, I need Jesus in my life, I need his grace, I need his forgiveness, I need a second chance, I need a restart, I need a fresh start, I'm going to invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but we pray in community. And for those of you that are on the stream right now, you can click that raise hand button if you're like, it's me. I'm giving my life to Christ today. And if you're willing to do that, I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I surrender to you. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, follow you, and serve you for the rest of my life. Today I choose surrender over control. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you.
Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.